Welcome to another edition of ATL Prime Sports. I'm JJ Jurjevich. Joining me this evening is the one, the only, Wayne Ridenauer, our producer in fabulous Memphis, Tennessee. You can find us all at ATL Prime Sports, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and now on Apple and Spotify. If you like the content, give us a thumbs up, give us a react, give us a uh, review, subscribe, whatever you do. If you like the content, just give us a like. Uh, our personals at JJ Get You One for myself on Twitter, at RWY Junior for Wayne, and at Quarter Todd, C O R D E R T O D D for Todd TC Quarter, who is on vacation this evening. How is everyone doing, Wayne? What you up to, man? Uh... I don't know. I'm 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 losing interest in baseball and I think it's because Texas is on a kind of a losing streak and somebody in their division is on a winning streak right now and so uh I'm uh really getting prepared for some college football. Aren't we all? That's about what time of season it is. It's either pennant race season or get ready for football if you're a fan. I'm doing great. Not as great as James Harden shooting guard for the 76ers. Got a two-year, $68.6 million deal earlier Wednesday to return to Philly. So uh, doing good, but not that good. What's on tap for today's show? Got David Walker, former Texas A&M QB, author and writer from the Rebel Walk on the show. Talking about the AL winning their ninth straight All-Star game. It's getting a little old as a National League guy. Uh, we're talking a little Falcons, and that'll about wrap us up today. So without further ado, let's do bring in our guest and friend of the show. We welcome back David Walker, author and writer for the Rebel Walk, covering Ole Miss Rebels. David, welcome back. How you doing this evening? Oh, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Doing great, man. Hope y'all are doing well, too. We are indeed. Uh, SEC Media Days just finished up here in Atlanta. Lane Kiffin always makes you laugh he's got to be the funniest guy in the country in terms of football coaches uh i love the question that was asked to him how many mustard mustard bottles have you seen him sign uh, since the tennessee game last year david <laughs> yeah that was kind of good and i also like the uh the quit the, that he had about tennessee you know tennessee came in and had the best baseball team in the country this year as far as the regular season goes and we're number one for a large part of it and they came into uh into Swayze Field at Ole Miss and, and swept the Rebels when the yeah. Rebels were still right very high. And he told he wanted to make sure that all the Tennessee fans out there were aware that it was all in the big plan. You know, it was all in the in the big scope of things that that they would allow Tennessee to come in and even though that he I think had thrown out the first pitch or, or something like that, uh uh, that uh, uh, he just wanted everybody to know that the way it turned out was the way it was supposed to turn out with the Ole Miss Rebels okay. winning the national championship. So that was kind of funny. That was a little little dig, I guess, at Tennessee. But, uh, you know, he, he's always on. I mean, somebody asked him about Nick Saban or Alabama just right off the bat. He said, well, that would be the first question I get, you know, is something about <laughs> Nick Saban or Alabama. So, uh, you know, everything went according to script as far as as far as he was concerned. But, uh, you know, he certainly got um, some ideas out there and some ideas uh, and thoughts that need to be looked into, particularly with the NIL and uh, transfer portal and 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 such things. And 
I think the NCAA has some, uh, you know, they've got some organizing to do as well with everything. I this is stuff, and I don't, I don't want to get on my, you know, but this is stuff that should have been handled, you know, decades ago. You know, these are mm-hmm. things that that were found to be uh, unconstitutional and illegal. In fact, that the NCAA wanted to keep this 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 little system that they had. Uh, and the NCAA, of course, includes the presidents of all the universities, athletic directors, and they wanted to keep it, uh, you know, going their way, you know, uh, wanted to keep it, uh, quote, quote, amateur. And, uh, you know, that's not the case anymore. I mean, I'm hearing, no. you know, $25,000 a player out of Texas Tech, millions of dollars for these top-notch quarterbacks, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, it's almost like an auction out there, a bidding war. It's just incredible what has happened. And I think Lane was right on top of it and, uh, you know, mentioned it. He said, you know, uh, you know you're know, you allowing cheating, so now we got to figure out how we're going to deal with that. And uh, just brought us some really good points in a very short period of time that he had. And, um, you know, then... Then, you know, then the rest of it with, uh, you know, Nick Saban and Jimbo coming on tomorrow, I guess. But, uh, you know, a lot of uh, it's it's a dynamic, I guess, is the word uh, uh, period for us right now in college sports as a whole. Indeed it is. And I'll continue to talk about the Rebels. How do they build off of a historic season last year? It just... Uh, an unprecedented season. How does Lane Kiffin regroup the fan base, regroup the team, and try and improve on last year? I know. And it, it just came out of nowhere, it seems like. Uh, you know, they, they did have their quarterback coming back, Matt Corral, and they had three or four running backs and, and some really good receivers who unfortunately got injured uh, for the most part early in the season and really – really hurt the offense quite a bit. I think Ole Miss went to the running game more than they probably would have wanted to. Uh, but the key, if you look at last year, the key is, and I've said this all along, is that any game that they led in, they won. If they got the lead, they did not surrender the lead. Uh, the only time they gave up a lead was at Tennessee when they were ahead 7-6, to six, I think, and Tennessee kicked the field goal to go ahead nine to seven and then Ole Miss got the lead back and never gave it up. That was the only time all season that Ole Miss surrendered a lead. And that's how they win ten games in the regular season, which of course is an all time record. It was a shocker, you know, I'm sure to most people that Ole Miss finished six and two um uh in in conference and uh uh four and two I guess in the division uh you know right behind Alabama. And uh, while A and M's going two and four, you know, and all the all the other big names out there, but I think that uh, that was the key: is the defense got so good so quickly after the Arkansas game uh, that, and the offense just was just good enough and and powerful enough to where they'd get the lead and they would keep the lead. And, uh, you know, you ask any football coach what the what the secret to winning is, I guess they'd probably say that would probably be very, very high at the top. Get the lead, keep the lead. And uh, that's what Ole Miss was able to do last year because of their improved defense uh, and, and 
few turnovers, and just a very efficient offense run by uh, by the quarterback. You're listening to David Walker right here on ATL Prime Sports. You can find David on Twitter at David Walker QB. Let's go ahead and talk about Kirby Smart, the defending national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. We are here in Atlanta. Got to talk about it, David. Uh, Kirby Smart said that UGA will not be hunted. They will be the hunters this year. Um, And he talked about doing studies on how to overcome uh, over uh, combat success and not failing the next year. I thought it was a really great answer, uh, the soundbite that he gave. My question to you, what are the chances UGA repeats as national champions? Very good. I mean, I would think that, uh, you know, with Stetson Bennett coming back, and he's so underrated. And I think it may be because, you know, of his stature. You know, he's a 5'11 guy, about 190. And, but, but, man, what a player and what a quarterback and what a, what a big-game guy he was last year, uh, particularly in that championship drive that they had. Uh, and in beating Alabama, uh, you know, it all, it all starts with the quarterback. And, of course, you know, they have that great defense as well. And uh, the recruiting is there. The field some spots. Georgia's going to be right there in the, in the midst of it. I'm looking at probably three teams that have the best chance of winning it all next year. And it's, it's nothing new. You know, it's, it, it, it's the same teams. You know, you got – you got two out of the SEC and Bama and Georgia, and you got another one out of the Big Ten in Ohio State. And when you look at all the stats and the numbers and the you know, players coming back, uh, you know, those are going to be the big three right there. And Clemson uh, has an outside shot. You know, last year was a very down year for them after all the success that they had uh, prior to. And uh, so I think they're, they're going to be in the mix as well. But I think those are your basic four teams. But George, I mean, everybody's just going to be waiting for the SEC championship game. And, and uh, you know, unless some, something unforeseen comes uh, out of the woodwork, I, I would expect it to be George and Alabama. They'd probably be uh, two of the four teams that go to the college football playoff. I tend to agree with you. Georgia is now – reloading. Uh, They are not rebuilding. Kirby Smart, uh, very interesting comment. Uh, I can't remember which article or who posted it, but, uh, you know, he mentioned almost retiring because of the daily grind of a college coach. It's gotten to be a 24-7 job, and that's a story for a different day. But speaking of uh, college, uh, college coaches here in the SEC, let's talk about two of the new SEC comers, and that's LSU's uh, Brian Kelly and Florida's Billy Napier. Uh, who do you think is better? Uh, I should say, who do you think wins quicker? Who do you think has a better season and more success right out the gate? Uh, Florida, Billy Napier, or LSU and Brian Kelly? Well, first of all, I was really surprised that, uh, you know, when, when, when we heard that uh, Ed Orgeron was going to be leaving LSU last year, I was really surprised that Billy Napier uh, did not get the LSU job being right down the road in Lafayette and had done such a such a great job at, at the University of Louisiana. Uh, it may have been because he had such a, a, a great left-handed quarterback there for the last four years. Um, since I since I'm left-handed anyway, I it, I give I give him the credit, but 
just a great job at Louisiana uh, Lafayette there, but he did not get the job. And, of course, you know, it's, it's hard to argue, you know, somebody coming in from Notre Dame who's got such a great track record and, uh, you know, so well-respected uh, around the uh, around the country. And uh, Notre Dame's had a heck of a program. I mean, they haven't won the big one. They haven't won the championship, but uh, they were in it uh, several times. Uh, while he was there, so I think uh, Florida uh, they got they got a great one. I mean, I mean Billy Napier, he's a hell of a coach, and and uh, you know I think um, he's probably going to do real well down at Florida. And I and, and I tell you this, I mean coming from the University of Louisiana there in Lafayette, uh, he knows how to work with people and he knows how to recruit, and uh, he's going to be uh, he's going to be somebody to be. Uh, taken very seriously over there in the SEC East. It may take a year or two, but but he's going to be good. Now, at LSU, I was looking at the FPIs yesterday by ESPN, and I saw LSU pop up there as uh, probably the second-rated team in the SEC West behind Alabama, and uh, which which is no surprise to me. LSU recruits. I mean, you know, it's 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 self-recruiting place. It just it just <laughs> you go there and you want to go there. You know, you go visit, and uh, it's just a fantastic place, and it sits right outside there in New Orleans, and they just have, uh, you know, their last three coaches there, as we talked about before. The last three coaches of LSU have all won national championships, and, uh, you know, I know they didn't bring this man in to uh, to be the first one not to. So uh, uh, I think Woodward, the AD at LSU, probably did – Every bit of homework as he could, and uh, you know, laid it out for him, and and uh, you know, got Kelly to come in, and you know, other than Kelly's dancing, I think I think uh, you know, I think it's probably a really good coach and probably a really good, uh, a really good recruiter. But uh, like I say, LSU has a way of bringing in players, so they're not going to be short on players. It's just going to be. Uh, you know, the system and the scheme and everything, I think that's what everybody's looking forward to, to find out, you know, what he does, you know, with the players that he has. And uh, so, yeah, I'm really I'm really uh, looking forward to seeing what he does at LSU, and I'm also looking forward to seeing what Napier does at Florida. And I know there's a lot of people in Louisiana going to be watching Florida very closely uh, just to see, uh, you know, what transpires at both, uh, both campuses. I'm excited for both these hires to see how these guys do in the SEC. Napier, a Nick Saban guy, we all know what Brian Kelly's done. You mentioned he's won, he's won everything but the big one, the national title. That's why he came to LSU, folks. No, a uh, lot less academic restrictions. And I don't mean restrictions in a bad way. I mean, you're dealing with a lot smarter of an athlete at Notre Dame than you are overall at LSU. So you can overcome a little of the academic issues at LSU and the family of winning there, or should I say family, uh, and as Brian Kelly described it, is three different accents. So uh, I, I just think it's a great it's a great hire for both schools. I think Billy Napier's got one of the most intriguing opening day matchups uh, coming uh, in a couple weeks yeah. now, right down the barrel against Utah. That should be really right. exciting, really tough challenge. Yeah, so, they got a quarterback here at Utah too, and Rising, who is uh, uh, one of the great ones that's coming back this year. I, you know, he's a top ten quarterback. There's no doubt. 
and uh, we'll see we'll see what Florida comes up with in terms of theirs. But uh, you know, that's one of the great opening games. You know, it's Pac-12, SEC, uh, current Pac-12, and uh, current. <laughs> Which SEC. one of it? <laughs> so <laughs> that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that myself. Yeah, let's uh, let's flip back over to the baseball side of things. Reigning national champion Ole Miss Rebels. I bet that never gets old as you cover them with the Rebel Walk there. Uh, Ole Miss was well represented in the 2022 MLB draft, having five players selected on day two of the draft. I think it was seven total if I'm if I counted correctly. Uh, comment about the players drafted and how Ole Miss baseball looks going into next season, David. Well, you know, the first player drafted was uh, a pitcher named Derek Diamond. And, uh, you know, uh, Diamond uh, had had a, a lukewarm year, you know. I mean, he had a great summer last year uh, pitching uh, uh, in the off leagues and and uh, did really well. But, you know, he just he just never, never seemed to, to really catch on at Ole Miss in terms of being that third starter on Sunday. and or, you know, Saturday, whichever. And uh, he was the first player taken. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people were shaking their heads on that. You know, he's a, he's a great kid, you know, great parents, all this, and, and, and loves Ole Miss. But, you know, whenever they had to go to that uh, game against, in the finals against Oklahoma, but, and they had to play a third game against Arkansas, you know, they had to, they had to use uh, uh, Dylan DeLucia you know, in that game, and who was their ace, who was their number one pitcher, to get by Arkansas to get in the final. And so everybody's wondering, well, you know, who's going to be, who's going to be the starter in the uh, in the finals against Oklahoma the first game? And normally you would think it'd be Derek Diamond, and it was Jack Doherty. And, and Jack, you know, bless his heart, man, he comes in there with five perfect innings, you know, to start that game, and it ends up a big 10-3 uh, final for uh, Ole Miss. And it was just unbelievable the the, the intensity and uh, you know the perfection of pitches that Jack Doherty had. So uh, Diamond goes first, and you know they have uh, all the reasons in the world, I'm sure, for for that selection. And you know we're just happy as we can be that uh, you know he'll be playing some uh, Major League Baseball. And uh, you know then everybody else. I mean it's just. Uh, you know, the guys that we expected to go, you know, Tim Elko and Graham and, you know, all those guys that uh, did such a great job. You know, at one time, Ole Miss this year was 100-1 to to win the national championship. And when they went into, whenever they got that 64th pick to get into the NCAA tournament, they were a 65-1 to shot, which was about old mid-20s or so, I guess, in the odds. And... Uh, Man, look what they did. It's just incredible. Incredible. So uh, we're really happy with, uh, you know, all these guys who get a chance to continue their uh, their uh, their careers. Uh, you know, Kevin Graham, Justin Bench, uh, Dunhurst, the catcher, who did a wonderful job, a great defensive catcher, great arm, and uh, just, just good for them. I think uh, Ole Miss was certainly well represented in the draft this year. Well, David, that about wraps up our interview today. I want to say uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, folks, you can get 
at David on Twitter, at David Walker QB. You can buy his book uh, anywhere books are sold. I'll tell you when you're good. And uh, David, again, thanks for coming on, my friend. Guys, thank you for having me. It's always great talking to you. Really enjoyed it. Wayne, any final thoughts for David before we let him go? Yeah, Dave, uh, the only thing I would say when going back to football here is um, I don't know how often you get to talk to uh, Kiffin uh, there on the um, campus or during interviews or not, but the game before y'all start the conference schedule is versus Tulsa. And it's an at-home game, but I would not discount Tulsa because they are a very tough team. They play in the same conference as Memphis does, and they play the whole game. So tell him not to think that's just a stepping stone to start the uh, SEC season. The other thing about the Georgia, as far as Georgia goes, I think their big challenge this year is going to be South Carolina because of Shane Beamer being there. Well, they got Shane Beamer. Also, that's a really good point, Wayne. They got Shane Beamer, and they also got the quarterback from Oklahoma uh, transferred in there. And, you know, he was uh, uh, the Heisman favorite last year going into the 2021 season, and now they've got him there. Um, so uh, South Carolina, they could they could uh, shake things up pretty quickly over there. No doubt about it. Absolutely. Uh uh, SEC analyst Greg McElroy, former Alabama quarterback, has Spencer Radler in his top five uh, quarterbacks in the SEC going into this season. So it should be an interesting one. Again, Dave, David Walker, at David Walker QB on Twitter. You can buy his book, I'll Tell You When You're Good, anywhere books are sold. David, thanks for coming on, my friend. Thank you. Y'all have a great evening. We'll talk to you next time. Appreciate All it. All right. Yes, sir. David Walker, writer. From the wet rebel walk and author again of i'll tell you when you're good uh, thanks david for coming on and let's go ahead and move on in our show mlb all-star game was tuesday night american league gets the ninth in a row three to two over the national league what are your thoughts on the game wayne i'll let you have some fun with this one man i i enjoyed the game i think it's uh the best all-star game in all of professional sports what are your thoughts on the game, man? Well, I I I like the idea that they the broadcasters especially like to try out new things, uh, you know, as far as miking people and and everything else on these all star type games. Uh, I really wish that it, you know, would determine where the World Series is played again. But, you know, that's completely I guess off off the page now. They're not even considering that. Um, <clears throat> You know, just like any all-star game, it, it's it's a very light type of game. It doesn't it, the players don't seem as as focused on winning, um, you know, because it, it it's not really a four points as they say. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you. I really enjoyed the game even more when it meant something. When everybody had to play, the managers had to manage. You didn't just go in there saying, all right, let's get everybody playing, let's get everybody pitching, call it a day. I like the aspect of play to mean something, where maybe your team, maybe you pitching in that all-star game, striking out the side, gets you the home field advantage in the World Championships, uh, World Series. I, I like that idea, too. I think it's cool. I wouldn't mind if they brought it back. Because, again, just like you said, how how many of these guys really try? It, it, I mean, 
nine in a row by the American League. You think just by shaking a stick, the National League would at least win one of these games every now and then. So I enjoyed the game, always have, always will. Um, I'm like you. I like the mic'd up players. I think that's really unique, but only in an exhibition right. game like this, like the All-Star game. Anything regular season, leave that to the sideline reporters. That's their job, and they're very good at it. Let them do that. But I enjoyed watching Giancarlo Stanton mash the two-run home run, 457 feet. And, folks, you can go to at ATL Prime Sports, uh, look at it on Twitter. I retweeted it. Or if you're watching the YouTube, you should be able to see it somewhere right now. The technology the of photography. And what it looks like of that home run coming off Stanton's bat is unbelievable. Absolutely mashed the ball. Um, the mic'd up thing, uh, one of the first thing pitches of the game, Otani, Shohei Otani goes, I'm swinging at the first pitch, gets a broken bat single, then Clayton Kershaw picks him off. So the game had a little bit of everything. Two Braves players got hits. Uh, Acuna led the game off with the double, so that was really cool to see. Uh, Braves fans are used to that. And Austin Riley got himself a hit late in the game. Uh, Acuna scored. Um, there was a sweet double play in the first inning by the American League. It was just an uh, all-around fun game. But I'm with you, Wayne. I think it'd be fun if they brought back the meaning of home field advantage in the World Series. I think that would make these players play even more than they already do. And I think it'd make the game a little bit more interesting. Yeah, probably give the... Uh... Uh, Las Vegas uh, folks something to bet on uh, besides home run derbies that get uh, uh, slightly mismanaged. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. How about it? If you're a better betting on the home run derby uh, and it was miscounted, according to uh, Outkick.com, looks like Kyle Schwarber really tied Albert Pujols in that first round, but one of the home runs wasn't counted, so if you're a gambler, you got to be upset about that if you bet on Schwarber, who was one of the betting favorites. So, yeah, no, maybe it would make it a little easier on Vegas if the guys tried. Um, my final thought on the All-Star game is it is the best professional exhibition of All-Star games in all of pro sports. The NBA used to be the uh, the best NBA. The, the, uh, it used to be the NBA, in my opinion, when they really played defense and they actually tried. Now they don't. But I think the All-Star Game is now holding that title, the Midsummer Classic. You vote the players in, and typically baseball fans vote in players that are actually pretty good. Instead of uh, some players, like in basketball, they just get voted in because they get voted in. So uh, I do like it, and uh, that's my final thought on the All-Star Game. Wayne, what's yours? Uh, well, it is a, a really good event. Uh, I guess second most, or maybe first in my case, would be the uh, NASCAR All-Star Race that they have. Uh, that can be pretty exciting, and they like to bring out different paint schemes for the cars specifically for that race. Um, but uh, I'll tell you what the worst All-Star thing is, is that goofy Pro Bowl. I, that has yeah, really it, gotten, that has really gone downhill. They're, they're trying to figure out how to fix that. I, I think the best thing for the Pro Bowl, and then I'll go back to a NASCAR comment right quick, would be to play the Pro Bowl as the Hall of Fame game. Yeah, that might work. I think that's the best option. And in that way, if a player retires, like let's say Drew Brees or Peyton Manning, they have the option to play in that Hall of Fame game as their final Pro Bowl game. So maybe you get to see him one more time. Yeah. Maybe that'd bring a little bit more viewership. I don't know. Back to the NASCAR <laughs> thing. I think it is cool. Their all-star event. 
I also think it's cool how they're going to do a street race in Chicago. Did you see that, Wayne? How cool is that? I have not seen that, but anything that they do that's different than turning left uh, is usually pretty exciting, uh, not just for the fans, but also for the drivers because it's something new for them to have to, you know, move their skill set to. Absolutely. All right, we'll move on to the next topic of the show. NFL, we're talking a little dirty birds. The Falcons are looking to approve from last year's 7 and 10 mark. Let's talk about them. Oh, look, really uh, awkward signing. Uh, Falcons signed defensive tackle Evan uh, Eddie Goldman. Retires just 13 days later. <laughs> and it's funny because the Saints-Falcons rivalry, you know the Saints are going to chip in. So uh, Saints defensive uh, defensive end uh, Cam Jordan, Cameron Jordan, trolled the Falcons on Twitter, tweeting, so 13 days on the Falcons, and that was all he needed to make up his mind with uh, the big eyes remark. And uh, he was obviously joking, but it fuels the rivalry, and that's fun stuff right there. But, yeah, it was head-scratching move. Falcons sign him, expecting to add a little depth behind Grady Jarrett on the defensive line there. Supposed to be a one-year prove-it deal. Uh, but he retires. Had a change of heart, which is okay. No problem there. Glad you had it earlier and then, then later in the season. But this was supposed to be a, a pick to solidify the defensive line. The Falcons were expecting the former second-round pick uh, who had 13 sacks, 175 tackles, and a fumble recovery for the Bears over his career to really come in and do some damage and add some depth across that line, giving Grady Jarrett a breather from time to time. But obviously that won't happen. Just figured that was a cool story. I liked what Cam Jordan did, so I mentioned it. Uh, any thoughts on that right quick, Wayne? Yeah, well, it's kind of a, a a bit of a downer, but I'm still, you know, I, I, I'm still the, the angry Falcons fan. And I've even gone so far as I think they're only going to lose three games this year. And strangely enough, strangely enough, I think the first two games of the year, they're going to lose both of those. And the only other game they're going to lose is uh, versus uh, the uh, Saints uh, towards the end of the season there. But uh, the reason I say the first two is because they're going to play the Saints and then the Rams one, two. Yeah, it's a tough schedule for, for the Dirty Birds. Um, obviously, you got to play Brady two more times. The Falcons have never beaten Tom Brady in his career. Unbeaten against the Falcons. Best record against the Falcons. We'll just leave it there. Uh, second part of this Falcons topic, got to talk about the rookie quarterback Desmond Ritter signs his deal. He was the last rookie to sign. What does this mean for the Falcons? It's a good deal. It's yeah. exactly what it means for the Falcons. This deal was worth 5.4 mil over four seasons. If Ritter can win the starting job, it'll help the front office. Boom. It'll really turn this rebuild into possibly a reload situation. And I'll tell you why. It'll free up money to sign key free agents that will help build a winning culture, like the Bills, the Chiefs did with Mahomes and Allen. You get that rookie quarterback that's good on that rookie contract, you can really build the pieces around that quarterback to have continued success. That's the biggest meaning of this $5.4 million four-year deal. If Ritter does compete and win for the job, this really helps the Atlanta Falcons for a long, long time. So this is a great move, um, low risk, high reward type deal. 
and I can't wait for the season. I'm not as high as you. I, I think seven wins is about to see me. But if the Falcons get seven wins again, give Arthur Smith the coach of the year because there's not a lot of talent on this team. Um, but look, this type of contract, again, it's going to be real team-friendly. Um, no harm, no foul, like I just met, mentioned. Low risk, high reward. Um, and if it doesn't work out, you're probably going to have a high draft pick next year with a plethora of quarterbacks coming out. You could have Spencer Rattler coming out. Bryce Young, Stroud out there, and I've mentioned as a dark horse, JT Daniels, from now West Virginia, who's got a national championship and was undefeated as a starter at Georgia. So um, I think this is just all around good for the Falcons. Ritter is a guy with a lot of confidence, won a lot of games at Cincinnati, 44-5 and to be exact, only lost five times, beat Notre Dame in South Bend. So this guy can compete. He's not scared to do that. And he even said it. He feels like he fits well in this offense. And as a fan, that's what you want to hear. And as a quarterback, that's what you want to hear as well. You want to, or as a head coach, a quarterback coach, that's what you want to hear. A guy coming in, getting the playbook, and is ready to go to work and doesn't care about competition. There's three quarterbacks on the roster. Felipe Franks, Marcus Mariota, and Desmond Ritter. One of them is going to be the starter. Falcons obviously hope it's Desmond Ritter. Wayne, what are your thoughts on the rookie QB getting his deal done? Well, I tell you, uh, I'm going to speak to the conspiracy folks here just for a little bit. And I'm going to ask you some leading questions to bring you around. Um, What is the most popular food product at the uh, Atlanta Falcons stadium, or let's say even in the Atlanta area? Mm. Would you would you say Chick Fil A? And what does the University of Cincinnati's logo look like? Chick Fil A. And uh, Ritter does not even have to change colors to sw- make the switch. So things are coming together, and so that's why that's why I'm looking at it. <laughs> Wayne, I like your style. Um, Again, if you've been with us from day one, folks, uh, you can uh, like our content at ATL Prime Sports on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Apple, Spotify, YouTube. Um, Wayne had made that prediction once before, folks. After a loss, he said they would not lose again until they got to the Super Bowl, but he predicted them to win it. Yeah, I did. uh, 28-3 happened. So, Wayne, your comments for Falcons, to me, always hold water, buddy. Well, (laughs) like I said, I'm the angry Falcons fan that's, you know, I'm just wanting to buck the whole system and all the other fans. And, you know, maybe I'll be humiliated or uh, maybe I'll be lifted up. Who knows? Who knows? Well, we're going to have some fun with it. That wraps up our uh, NFL segment on the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, that wraps up our show. Again, folks, if you like the content, give us a like, a thumbs up on YouTube, Apple, Spotify. Give us a review and a follow. Uh, thanks for listening. My closing thought on the show tonight, the Braves ended the first half of the season with a record of 56-38. and 38. They are two games back of the Mets. They currently hold the top wild card spot, if that matters to you. Um, They play the Angels in their first series back from the All-Star break this weekend. Shohei Otani comes to town. That's my final thought on the show tonight. Wayne, you got a final thought for us? 
Uh, no, not really. I think I've said everything I need to say. That is a first. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, folks, that is our show tonight. I want to say thanks for listening. For Wayne in Memphis, I'm J.J. Jurjevich. This has been ATL Prime Sports. Until next time, get you one, folks. Thank you.